This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 436, recorded on March 12th, 2020. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way in your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. Of course, we post the show, and tonight you'll want to head out there if you can uh, with some pretty good show notes. we got a couple links to the reviews over at Think Computers that uh, you might want to follow as you're listening along live. Head out to the AverageGuy.tv. This show, HGG, so forward slash HGG436 to get access to those show notes. Don't forget, you can join us live on our mobile app every week. Easiest way to kind of listen live and on the road, even from home, if that's what you want to do. Some folks are now going to be working from home this week. And uh, you can get that out at our site, homegadgetgeeks.com. Let me say that again, homegadgetgeeks.com. I was thinking about something else as I was saying it. Um, you can get both Android and iPhone platform that's available out there for you. We want to thank our Patreon subscribers who kind of help pay for that each and every month. And so we thank you for that as well. Big thanks to Jay Madison, who came on last week. Uh, we covered a lot of really cool stuff. If you haven't watched 435, you might want to do that little audio, little uh, microcomputers, all that, that kind of stuff. And uh, Jay just always does a nice job. So, Jay, thanks for joining us last week, and I appreciate that um, as well. Tonight, I've got Ryan and Bob with me. We tried to do this once, and uh, it just failed hard that night. Ryan, Bob, welcome back. Appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, happy to be here as well. Good, good to have you guys here. I'd ask you in the pre-show if you guys have done much with IC Doc. They're kind of our mo- our, our mon- oh, March. I'm having trouble speaking tonight. I'm not sure why. March partner. Maybe I should just slow down a little bit. Yep. They're our March partner. Um, IC Doc has been around our community for a long time. I think about Home Server Show going way back to that 10, 12 years ago. Um, enclosure, hard drive enclosures. Guys, do you get in the in the builds you're doing? You're building gaming builds. Is does that does that uh, something that really fits in? Uh, I would say not as much anymore because I would most of IC Doc's products are they're mainly to go in like a, a drive that's on the front of your computer, and yeah. most people aren't using physical media anymore. Right. So yeah. in most case designs now, if you buy a brand new case, it's not going to come with that uh, you know that five and a quarter inch drive bay that you need. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking, looking around my room, and the case I'm using now has, is a flat aluminum front panel. The one next to it's a flat aluminum front panel, tempered glass. Yeah. Like I don't have a spot for them. Yeah. Right yeah. So for the really nice boxes, they, so they sent me, just so they know, they sent me a turbo swap. So it's an MB171SPB uh, turbo swap. They sent that to me to uh, take a look at. We have been talking a lot about Unraid boxes. And, of course, for guys that are building kind of the server stuff, there's always that media that open media slot maybe three three and a half inch bays together uh, or two uh, three and a half inch bays or and, and ic dot kind of specializes in that bob i showed you that one drive right that uh, kind of fits in a pci slot in the back yeah that has an really ssd cool. in it that one might be that may work right for, for yeah you guys. i think that you know the big thing about any build really is you eventually run out of space right you put all your drives in there and then you you want more storage. Who doesn't want more storage? So, being and the thing right now is with gaming PCs is that most people are using one GPU, so you have a bunch of empty slots. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, just throw it in one of those empty slots, and you have another, you know, storage drive, which I think is great. 
Yeah, and I've kind of gone to the you know multiple drive setup, but also utilizing network storage for stuff that I don't need locally. So, but I think it definitely has a you know yeah a spot in the market for sure. Ryan, what are you using for network storage? Uh, I have multiple. Like I have a Synology NAS and a. Uh, hmm. Asus store right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the, I think for in, in a lot of cases, it, now this community is probably the exception. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of folks that listen to this show are running maybe an older box or they're building or they've, they're using some kind of um, tower server that was, you know, you can still get a micro server that's got four dr- drive bays up front from HP. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think in this very, in this niche case, maybe the non gaming, but, but home storage server, um, I, I'd said to them, Hey, I'd like the, uh, I like the five bay that goes in the three, three and a half. Yeah. And they're like, okay, that's the top of the line stuff. We're going to send you this. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So, um, we've been doing this on Twitter. If you, if you're a regular listener show, go out and give icy doc some love. We're going to, we'll be talking about this uh, quite a bit this week, but, and, and let me just go full screen really quick here, um, for you guys. But, um, we're going to be talking about this enclosure. One bay fits in a three and a half. Uh, it's toolless, so you open that up. No, no drive bay or, or, or anything needed. Slide in that uh, three and a half inch drive, lock it in. Got a key that goes with it, and uh, makes it easy hot swap to get it in uh, back, uh, back plane back there. Uh, you got your SATA connection and your power, and so uh, we'll be. I, I've got to actually have a need for this right away. Uh, I've been building out um, and trying to move some of my hardware mining gear onto one box. And I need some some drive space. So this will help get, I have at least one drive that's sitting out in a dock. And so I'll move it from an external dock into the case, kind of get it, just kind of clean it up a little bit. That'll go in uh, this weekend. I want to thank Vincent over there at IC Dock for sending it over. We'll, we'll do some pictures. And Mike is back next week, by the way. Mike's out on assignment. He's traveling to, he's suffering in San Diego yeah. at the moment. Poor guy. That guy. <laughs> Um, but we'll post some pictures and talk about it more uh, kind of next week. Thanks, Icy Doc, for sending that over. And, of course, they're big friends of the network. They have been that, that company. I mean, that's one of the early companies from a home server perspective. We talked about, Ryan, when did you come in to – did you listen to Home Server Show? Were you a home server guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So Home Server Show. And then, man, it was it was yeah. close to when Uyghur started. That I started okay. listening to this for home gadget you know, geeks. But that, yep. What do you think? Where what were you talking about on home server show when you when you joined? Oh, me? Remember? I don't have any idea. <laughs> no. Yeah, the years kind of go right, don't they? They do. They do. I look back. I was, I've been listening for that long. I was uh, just thinking. I remember the first time I saw an icy dock bay device. Probably I went to a land party in Kentucky, and I think I was in high in high school. So that's how long, and I'm. Yeah. 35 so that's how long yeah. icy yeah. doc has been around so they've been making yeah. products for a very oh, yeah. long time they have and they they're they just they specialize in kind of drive enclosures of of taking uh and i think i might have the chat rooms uh correcting me i think i might have said three and a half what i meant five and a quarter you know what i meant so taking three five and a quarters and putting five three and a half inch drives in i think that's what i meant to say and um yeah you know bob I, they have been around a long time and they just keep making you know you can get uh, uh, you can get an enclosure that's a three and a half inch drive and get two, two and a half inch drives in there yeah. and fit in the slot. Right. So, um, and they keep, they keep chugging along. And so I'm kind of excited to have them back and, uh, and have them kind of focusing on them here through the month of March. All right. 
we want to focus on you guys and you spent some time at CES 2020. It's a, we're a ways away from it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about some other stuff uh, that you've been reviewing. I want to start, you know, Jay last week when we had him on, he, we spent a lot of time about talking about getting some pretty powerful equipment into a little tiny space. So if you haven't listened to that show, you need to go back and listen to it because it's, it's pretty cool. And I said to you guys kind of in pre-show, I was kind of like, oh, hey, but I expect from you guys kind of the big cases, right? But yep. Bob, you just recently looked at an ASRock X570 Phantom Gaming rig that is getting small. Are you guys oh, also yeah. looking at small, small stuff as well? I think that like in our space, especially, you know, gamers and enthusiasts, that mini ITX has, has been pretty popular. It's just that not a lot of people, you know, they want the big, they want the big tower that they can show off. You know, they want to do multiple graphics cards. Whereas when you're in a mini ITX motherboard, you're kind of, you're limited to a single graphics card. They want extra PCI slots for, you know, storage or whatever else it may be. Um, but, you know, I think mini ITX is great because you talk about building, you know, small systems for, for doing storage stuff, but you can build an, an amazing ultra small compact, you know, gaming PC that you can pick up and take with you to your friend's house, just like, you know, like an Xbox would be. And I know I used to take, you know, an Xbox over to my friend's house and we'd have a sleepover, you know, um, you could do the same thing with, with this motherboard and some pretty awesome hardware. It's, uh, it's just, like I said, I love mini ITX stuff. I think that there's a lot of great cases out there, which would, you know, support this motherboard. And then this is a AMD uh, X570 motherboard, which means it's going to support the newest Ryzen processors. So, you know, you can fit their highest end Ryzen processor is 16 cores. So you can put a 16 core processor in there, plus the, you know, uh, RTX 2080 Ti, you know, 32 gigabytes of DDR4 memory, and you have a computer that's more powerful than the, the big one that I have <laughs> that I have sitting next to me. And it's in such a small form factor. Like I said, it's like, you know, a lot of people are going that way. Cause like, again, a lot of people are going to land parties. They're going over their friend's house and picking up a big tower without dropping it or scratching it. You know, all these new towers that we see are either aluminum or they have tempered glass on the side and scratching that up or breaking it can easily happen. Um, so for, like I said, these boards, there's not a whole lot. I think in the X570 line, I think there's three or four total. So there's, you know, these companies aren't making a whole lot of them, but I think the ones that they are making like this one give you that, you know, the entire feature set that you would get in a full size board for the most part. Um, you're not going to get all the slots because of size and everything like that, but it's an awesome board. I, uh, I got a case NZXT makes this new case. It's called the, uh, I forget what it's called. The but H1? Yeah, the H1. That's. It looks like if you've seen the new Xbox, it's super small. And I'm going to put this with a pretty awesome processor, graphics card in a really small system. Um, so, but yeah, like I said, the board itself is just an awesome board. Um, it's Like I said, it's one of the few you can get in this size. So you can it's do also a nice that it has Thunderbolt 3, is right? Yeah, so this is the only one, only Mini ITX X570 board that has Thunderbolt 3. And for everybody watching, Thunderbolt 3 is, uh, to in basicest terms, it's basically USB 3 on steroids. Uh, USB 3.2 Gen 1 will give you 10 gigabit uh, a second, whereas Thunderbolt 3 will give you 40, and that's up and down. 
So you have that connection. So you can you can power displays, you can get super fast storage. I mean, you can do so much with that connection. Um, and again, the super small form factor. So you can do a lot with it. One, uh, one, I assume this is PCI Express 4.0 slot that's in there. Yes. What did you, from a, from a gaming, you know, GPU standpoint, what would you pair with it? I paired it. I just, so all of my motherboards use the exact same setup. So I use an RTX 2060 just for our testing. Um, again, if I was building this out myself, like, again, I would do an RTX 2080 or 2080 Ti, uh, which I was, that's pretty much what I would recommend for anybody doing a new gaming build that wants to, you know, game at 1440p or 4k. Mm -hmm. Um, but on the back there, you can see what the, where that little lightning bolt is. That's the, uh, the Thunderbolt three connector right there, which is basically a USB, uh, type C it uses the same type C connector. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little confused sometimes by Type-C. I got a new laptop and they were like, okay, there's three Type-C ports. And they're like, okay, this one is the Type-C that you'd use for data. And then this one is where the dock goes if you yeah. want. And I was like, hey, I thought like I thought Type-C kind of unified all this stuff. But uh, apparently they made not. It made the connection easier. The problem is the, Ryan, what is the, comp or the group of people that do the USB naming? Oh, man. You gotta throw me throw me out there like that. <laughs> they've uh, changed. He, he'll look it up. Over the past Sorry. two years, they've changed the the actual naming of USB to, to be different things. So when we got USB three, it was just USB three, and then when we went, we got USB three point one. It was just USB three point one. You know, yeah, it was right. faster, and now we have USB. <laughs> so confusing. So now we have yeah. USB 3.2 Gen 2, which is USB 3.2 Gen 2, but then they changed USB 3.1 Gen 1 to USB 3.2 Gen 1. So they they mess up all these namings, yeah, and then you're messy. just like, it's for the. It's horrible. I understand it because I this is what I do, but for right. normal consumers, you're like, what? What is, yeah. yeah, well, but this is an enthusiast market. I think Jay liked the ASRock boards, too, he said last week. Mm -hmm. This is an enthusiast market, right? Yeah. You're not going to have your average consumer picking this up. So if they are picking it up, two things that are interesting on the back of this board. One is, is this is this like a PS2 board? Or <laughs> yeah, what? it is. And is there some, in the gaming world, is there some advantages to having that? I wouldn't not. say from gaming. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm yeah. just jumping in there. Yeah. No, like a lot of people use them in overclocking situations to have that direct access to the keyboard and that input function in case USB isn't working properly because of a failed overclock. A lot of times you'll find that. And oh. I would say ASRock isn't the best when it comes to their BIOS. Um, it's good, but it's not as good as say Gigabyte or ASUS. So having PS2 on there gives you direct access to that keyboard. So if mm -hmm. you are having an issue and for some reason your USB devices don't initialize in the BIOS, you can still use that PS2 to access the BIOS and make the changes that you need to make. Uh, never in a million years would I have thought. We'd, yeah. But that makes sense. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's kind of yeah. a more native yeah. control um, yeah. to get that. Now, it's also got a button down here that says clear CMOS. I'm assuming that's for the same reason, right? Overclocking, yeah. that's gone bad. Yeah, it's a lot of times. Um, so most motherboards either have a button on the back here or on the board itself. It's obviously not on the board itself because once you get this in your system, it's going to be yeah. really hard to mm -hmm. access the board. It just makes it easy if you are overclocking or if you're just changing settings and you just mess something up, 
that you can easily press that button and it just clears the BIOS and resets everything. Um, uh, Ryan, have you ever had to press the clear CMOS? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Multiple times. And like the board I have, uh, has pa- like a power button on the back too. So you can just hit that power and, uh, yeah, the worst well as clear is that CMOS. The worst is when a lot of boards before, I would say before a couple of years ago, a lot of the boards had a jumper. So yeah. you'd have to find it on your board, move the jumper over power and then power on the system and then move it back. And uh, do it in it. the right order, right? So yeah. you have your manual handy so you know like, <laughs> oh, do I power it off and then move the jumper or do I move the jumper then power it? it yeah. So, okay, so um, Andrew in the chat asked, what's the display port import used for is that because it has Thunderbolt three, you can bring in another uh, video source and then output it using the display port as a output. Um, so you can get a display port monitor and output whatever you're inputting. If that makes sense. Hmm. Is it, and what's the use case? Um, is that for streaming or is that for it what? It could why? be for streaming. It could be just for running another display. It's, okay. you know, it could also be for, you know, you're, you're not using as much resources on the GPU itself. Okay. Um, and again, Thunderbolt 3 has so much bandwidth, you can do a lot with it. So, um, but yeah, that's why you have that on there. I gave uh, I mentioned this to Jay last week uh, when we were talking to him, and it and there's a good picture of it here on the screen where it seems like everything's gone to colored light, right? <laughs> oh yeah, is that? I mean, is that? And, and I noticed you guys cover that a lot, but that's everything right now, right? Everybody's jamming lights and everything. Yeah, I yeah. think it's it's pretty well like standardized that most yeah. products now are going to have RGB. Yeah. Um, it's pretty, and the nice thing is on almost all of them, you can at least turn them off if you don't like that. But yeah, I mean, RGB is here and I don't see it going away anytime soon. I see it expanding. Okay, uh, I'll ask you a lightning round. Ryan, you first. A fan of it or not a fan of it? Totally a fan. Fan, Bob, fan, not fan? Uh, I'm a fan. If if it has good software, I'm a fan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm assuming there's some janky uh, software out there. Oh yeah. There's, well, the problem is, is that every company makes RGB products and every company has RGB software. And then you install these different products from different companies in your build, and you have six or seven different pieces of software that don't communicate with each other or don't work well. So you have one, you know, one set of fans doing one effect where your other things are doing another effect and it just doesn't look right. We're getting out yeah. of that with companies working with each other, but it's still kind of janky, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I do see sure. with some of the new boards, like the dashboards in the BIOS are almost more complicated and have more features than some of the ones we used to get in Windows, right? I mean, yeah, it looks uh, as we're kind of going through this. By the way, you should check this out. Uh, head over to theaverageguy.tv slash HGG436 to get the link to head over there so you can just go directly to it. But, Bob, you've got a bunch of uh, – you go when we go through a board like this, is it pretty common now to have – you know, maybe well, 10 or 20. Go what ahead. you're looking at right there, that's actually the software. So okay. that, that, that is, that's in Windows. Um, but you actually get that exact same option in the BIOS as well. Um, so for the BIOS, yeah, most of them now, the, the great thing about the BIOS is now is that you get full keyboard and mouse support. Mm-hmm. So you're not using your arrow keys to go through everything. Um, and then in that, you have so many options. And again, ASRock isn't even as advanced. If you go to like an... Asus BIOS, when you load in, it's a full, you know, 
graphical BIOS where you have, you can see your fans running and they're spinning there and you can see your temperature and a graph and everything. I mean, it's pretty, pretty in-depth. So for the beginner, I think it's great because, you know, you load into like an old school BIOS and you're like, <laughs> what's going on? Like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Um, and especially the new BIOSes too, would you like hover over with your mouse, you hover over an option on the side, it usually tells you what that option will do. Yep. So if you're not sure, you get some more information, which is really great. So I think that, especially in the past, like two or three years, BIOSes have come such a long way. And it's just great because I think so many people are getting into PC gaming where they're building their first PC and they've never seen a BIOS before. Um, so I think that's really great. Ryan, I'm going to ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, Bob did the review on the board, but mm -hmm. is this an average guy? When, if we think about someone building their own gaming rig, and they're they're technical enough to be able to put these things together, but maybe maybe not the biggest geek out there. From your opinion, Ryan, is this an average guy board? And and what was the cost, Bob? What was the cost on this thing when after Ryan? It is a uh, two nineteen. Sorry, I went there first. No worries. No worries. Two nineteen. Which is on the higher end, I think, you know, we, we, we kind of think a lot of times when we're buying storage or server boards, you know, those are probably in the, you know, 125 to 200 range. Ryan, yeah. is it is it an average guy board? So I, I think it can be. When you work with an, a mini ITX system, you run into space constraints and frustrations of cable routing and making sure things can get to places and you're not, you know, cutting off air circulation or running cables into a fan things like that that being said like you're still using the same socket that you would use on a full-size motherboard you've got that pci slot all your power connections are the same all your fan headers you're just working in a smaller uh space now you yeah. could surely put this board into a full-size case right it it'll fit and uh would work just fine um but i think yeah there's there's no reason that someone you know in this in this um audience would be able to use it, no problem. And Bob, and this the, is your review, right? This is yes. the, yeah. This is your review. Do you do you go about it the same way? Each of the boards that you do, do you kind of go about it the same way? So you've got some kind of testing. Yeah, standard? I think for the most part, I use the same hardware on every system uh, or every board that I test. And like the test, you know, just like this board, it didn't do great in PC Mark, but then on like the CPU specific benchmarks, it did really great. Um, and all of these benchmarks, they're going to be pretty much the same. We show you the, 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 like, here's the CPU specific, and it did the best out of all the boards that we tested. Um, you know, I think that with these boards, they're all going to do pretty much the same as far as performance, because it's the same hardware, essentially. Mm -hmm. What it comes down to is feature set. And again, if you want RGB lighting or any of that stuff on the board, you know, that's really what it comes down to. And it comes down to, you know, it's just like buying a car. Are you a Ford guy? Or are you a Chevy guy? It'd be like if you're an ass rock guy or you're a gigabyte guy, you know, it kind of comes down to what you want. Um, so I think that is really what it, what it comes down to. Um, because again, most of our testing, the graphs are a little bit deceiving, but it's usually only a few points difference in all of our tests. Um, so yeah, it just comes down to features. And like this board is for somebody obviously who wants a smaller rig. Uh, that's kind of why you're buying that board. This is a, a screen, uh, at least in 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 the community around here, that we see a lot of. We we have you know we don't we haven't done as much of it uh, lately, but for a long time, you know, we're always kind of checking what's the speed out to the drive. I'm assuming for you guys, and Jay was talking about this a little bit last week too. 
I'm assuming for you guys, M2 every time at this point, right? Yeah. Are, are, are you yeah. loading that? Yeah. So on this review, we didn't test the M.2 on this one um, because it's on the opposite side of the board. And that was one of the downfalls of this is that the new Gen 4 M.2s, they actually have these massive heat sinks on them. And because the because the actual socket for the M.2 is on the opposite side of the board, if you mount this in the case, you actually won't have room for an M.2 that has a big heat sink on it. Do you have a picture um, of that in here? Do you, um, do you remember? There was on one. About, yeah, yeah, it's on page uh, two, I believe. Uh, let's go back. Let's go back and look. By the way, uh, for your reviews, if you haven't gone out to thinkcomputers.org and checked out the reviews, uh, multi-page reviews. So instead of having to scroll all the way through, kind of goes down, click to the next one, goes down, click to the next one. Um, so yeah. we're on page two. It should be the, the last, last image. Yeah, the last image. Not that one. Not that one. Uh, right there. Right there. Yeah, you can yeah. see the. That's where it is. And the issue that I had is most motherboard manufacturers will include their own sort of heatsink for for it that would fit their board specifically. And the problem is, again, all of the Gen Four M.2 drives I have have these massive heatsinks on them. So any normal person wouldn't be able to install this in a case with that, you know, against the, the motherboard tray and have their, have a gen four working that wouldn't throttle. So that was kind of the issue that I kind of ran into there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie. I kind of, so the early, I got, I jumped into storage on the early um, M2 drives that didn't seem to perform very well. And I, I kind of stopped paying attention to them and it, it was easier for me just put a you know an SSD drive in for a lot of the things I do that was fast enough. But having both hearing both from you guys and then Jay last week, I'm thinking, okay, I think I, I've got to really start figuring out this this M.2 for some of the server guys. I think it's U.2 um, where I got to start figuring some of that because I think in most case NVMe is going to be the way to go for storage and. I think I priced some out this week and I think like 256 is like a hundred bucks or something. Is that, does that sound? That sounds pretty, that's a, it, that sounds yeah. high. I mean, okay. yeah. you should be able to get a one terabyte for, oh, maybe it was a one terabyte for like 110 bucks. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. That sounds more, yeah. Like a gen three drive will be right around that price. Pretty standard. And so, and then any new board I'm buying right now is probably going to have uh, an M2 slot in it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty standard. Yeah. No, whether it's gen three or gen four, that's something to, to yeah. keep an eye on and you'll obviously for me. So, so I'll give you like kind of like the breakdown. So like a normal SSD, your fastest SSD will be around uh, 500 megabytes a second read and write. Uh, the max a gen three NVMe drive will be the M.2 will be 3,500 megabytes a second. And then the newer gen four will be, Right now, it's around 5,000 megabytes a second or 5 gigabytes a second. Um, we'll probably see it go up to around 7,500 as the as it matures, as better firmware and better drives come out. Let's just go. You guys, we, we also have a link to this. I was going to save it to later, but since we're, we're talking yep. about hard drives, uh, Ryan, yep. you, you had spent a little time talking about this. I'm assuming this is something you saw at, at, at 2020, right? Eight terabyte NVMe and 16 terabytes SATA SSDs. Did yep. you get to see those? I mean, you actually that's, got to that's see That's my them. hand holding that drive. So, <laughs> yep. how, how ridiculous is that? And what's the price point on that thing? Uh, pricing, 
unknown right now. Um, and you know, they're not available, but it was something they were working off. This was actually at Fison suite, uh, at CES, they showed us, you know, and this is something I was pretty excited about just the amount of storage you're getting on that traditional, um, NVMe M.2 drive. A lot of data to have on a little tiny device that can fail though. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, yeah, eight terabytes of QLC NAND from Micron there, um, wow. use, utilizing Fison's controller. Um, that is a Gen 3 drive. Uh, and then, yeah, the next one down that you kind of scrolled to, they're getting up to 16 terabytes in that two and a half inch capacity. Yeah. Yeah, I know they are definitely, it, and that thing has kind of, that also has gotten away from me a little bit on those sizes where part of it is I've been focusing on spinners because we use those for the hard drive mining that we've been doing uh, for um, for burst coin. But right. um, this, so in the last year or two, I've been focusing on cheap spinners. That's, you know, that's good 12. And and I think really, you know, we're, we're in the 12 terabyte space for the spinners for the most part, retail wise that are reasonable. 16 Again, this is one of those kind of situations you're you're thinking like a limited read and write, 16 terabytes. That's a lot of storage to go f- to fail on you. Did they when they was, when they're thinking about use cases for these, do they have special use cases that they're they're building these for? Um, I don't yeah. So I think we're gonna see these for your di- direct attached storage, NAS devices. Mm-hmm. They're gonna provision them with enough extra um yeah, they're getting there for that, you know, to die yeah. off. And really, that's kind of what I'm waiting for. You know, you mentioned those cheap spinners. My Synology NAS is full of eight terabyte Western digital drives. I'm not going to upgrade them until I can move all to flash storage in it. Yeah. 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 I'm not. Just, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for that. That is so crazy to think, like, nuts. you know, hey, I'm going to take, you know, I think about the Drobo and it'll support SSD drives. I could just, all I need to do is put them in a, you know, put them in an adapter, an IC dock adapter, uh, and throw them in there. And and I'm kind of thinking now. I mean, what do, what do you think a four terabyte SSD is right now? What do you think? I haven't even priced one, but what's the Probably, sweet? Uh, maybe three fifty. That's just off the top of my head. I could be yeah. wrong. It's, is one terabyte on the SSD side kind of the sweet spot right now? Do you yeah, think? Is that, that's the standard. You know, it's, it's a nice entry point, right? So my rig next to me is my OS and everything's running on a Gen 3 NVMe drive. And then I have two drives for my games that I run. Uh, I have a not like a one terabyte and a 750 gig, uh, two and a half inch SSD. So I'm, I'm all SSD on that. And I think, you know, that's, that's kind of how I point people if they're doing a desktop build is go with a 250 to 500 gig NVMe drive for your OS and, most of your um, frequently used applications and then throw the rest of your stuff onto the secondary drive. And secondary being SSD or secondary yeah, being secondary SSD. being SSD and then slower storage on the network on the NAS, right? And so I'm backing stuff up to it, but also utilizing it for, you know, streaming media off of it, looking at, at images, but not keeping, I don't keep a bulk of storage in my desktop any longer. So for a gamer, no need for a spinner at all anymore. Mm-mm. For the most part. Everything can be SSD. It's cheap enough, I think, that yeah, it's it the, make sense. it's cheap enough to do. And you, again, you're getting the capacity as well. So when SSDs first started coming out, you know, you had your your 64, your 128 gigabyte. If you look at games now, most of them are over 100 gigabytes. So you need the one and two terabyte drives, which are relatively affordable right now. Yeah. So uh, you can easily put a one terabyte 
OS driver, like you said, maybe even 500 meg OS to hold that. And then you want the larger SSD to be the one terabyte or two terabyte SSD yeah. to hold the games, right? That's just so crazy to think. Because it used to be, right? We do the, you do the 500 gig SSD and then you'd have a one or a two or a three terabyte spinner. That'd be your, your data storage. And that runs cooler, runs faster, more reliable in your, your guys' opinion, having a SSD for gaming versus having a spinner there? I would uh, say yes. Probably. Okay. And then especially if you're, you know, some folks, we don't really review them in this capacity at all, but like a gaming laptop, right? I have a, a Dell laptop that uses a M.2 drive for the OS, and then it has an extra slot for a two and a half inch drive. So if I drop that, you know, it's all solid state storage. So I don't have to worry about a, a hard drive, you know, head hitting a platter and scratching it. So uh, from a mobile standpoint, definitely more um, reliable. And yeah, um, uh, Vincent over at IC Doc originally wanted me to look at an NV uh, NVMe M.2 adapter of some sort. And I, I'm just not even using them yet. For the most part, I haven't I haven't done a PC build to be honest with you. I've been kind of busy doing other things, but I haven't done a PC build in I don't know for four years maybe. Everything I have still works, right? right. You know, you kind of yeah. didn't need to. Some of this technology, I really do feel like since I've, we've been talking about it, I'm like, holy crap! I I need to catch up. Like I I got left behind on some of these things for sure. And so I was like, no, I really wouldn't use that. And now that I've done these two shows. I'm like, oh, okay. Uyghur <laughs> and be buying yeah. stuff while we're talking. Thinking maybe yeah. I should get that adapter, figure out, you know, figure out how to make this work better. It it did cause me, you know, I put this Unraid box together and I put a hundred. I had an extra 120 gig SSD laying around from some build, and I thought that'd be plenty for cash. And then I put it on Twitter, and they're like, oh no 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 no, you're gonna want more cash than that. <laughs> I was thinking, well, I don't want to like I'm this is I don't want to pay for this. And then I looked online, I'm like, well. Uh, terabytes, a hundred bucks. Yeah. Like, yeah, why wouldn't I? So um, it's just, it's completely changed. I, I think I was gone from looking at those kind of parts long enough that I missed a cycle. Right. And so it's kind of cool. It's all of a sudden PC builds have gotten exciting again. Cause I, you know, I rip Van winkled it for, for a, a, a year or two and all this stuff cycled out. So it's, it's, uh, I think cool. the, the coolest thing too, that you'll notice when you move from even an SSD to an NVMe drive, one is your Windows load time. I mean, you'll hit the power button and your computers, and you're in Windows, like within 15 seconds, maybe probably less than that. And then two is, you know, these big games that I was talking about, when you're loading the level or whatever it may be, you're loading the next mission. I'm sure, you know, you playing games like the load time, you're just waiting, it says loading, loading. It would just be instant. You're just, you know, onto the next level, which is really cool as well. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people appreciate that. Well, and, uh, you know, two years ago, for most of my PCs, I flipped them all over to SSD for that. And that's still pretty fast. Like, yeah. uh, you know, oh, yeah. the, the Windows load time is still pretty quick. But um, uh, now I'm <laughs> now I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's time. Yeah, I mean, those, those random reads and writes between a, a standard SATA drive and an NVMe, you know, drive, a lot of times you won't in day-to-day you see that difference until you really start those sequential reads and writes um, with larger files from one source to another that you can really see those large numbers, right? Um, but yeah, no, it's yeah. It, there's still 
definitely worth it. No, right on. It's it's just a new, it's just one of those new thoughts. And it gets me thinking like, oh, so my my studio PC, the one I'm using here, which I built, I don't know, five or six years ago, uh, you know, Core i7, 4700. It's got 16 gig of RAM in it. You know, I've got a, I think a 500 gig SSD in it, which is plenty for, for what I do. And it's, it's been an awesome, and I've got some 1060s in it that, that we were doing some mining and now I'm using for video and it's fine. I don't game. It's not a gaming rig mm-hmm. and it's been great and it will continue to be great for a couple of years, but I'm kind of for, for, especially for podcasting. But now like you guys got me thinking like, <laughs> uh, I need to start looking at some new boards and, uh, in probably yeah. the sweet spot. So if I were building today, right, maybe if I was building a podcasting gaming rig, I would be in maybe 200 bucks for a good board, right? Probably in, in that space. Yep. Um, I'm going to be another hundred bucks for the, the NVMe drive. And then maybe another hundred bucks for the, for a, a SSD drive to go in it as well. I'm going to probably put a video card in. Now this is GPUs. You guys are the special specialists at this. This has gotten ridiculous, right? GPUs have yep. gotten kind of ridiculous. Yeah. If I was going to, Ryan, if I was going to be on the bottom end of these, say I just wanted to get in today. I asked Jay this question too last week. If I wanted to kind of get in, not bottom, bottom, but enough bottom kind of thing, what, what, what am I getting into and in price? And then, Bob, I want to know what the top end is from you after after Ryan. I mean, it. you know, so we've got the two players, AMD and uh, NVIDIA. I think I, I'm such a fan of the 2060 series from NVIDIA. Um, from a price to performance aspect, you know, it's going to play pretty much any 1080 game you want and, and look, look pretty nice. Um, from the AMD side, I don't, on them? uh, what is the 2060 now? 300, three. Okay. Yeah. So, and then, and then like a 5,600 from AMD is probably where I would go. Um, to, to start off on either of those. So um, I'm getting in, like I can get a board in some, in some hard drives in, in memory for less than Bob's get his most, like the top mm-hmm. end, Bob, what's going to cost me to get into the top. So end the, the top end consumer card right now is an RTX 2080 Ti, uh, depending on which, you know, which one you go for, cause there's all different kinds. Um, but probably, a, you know, a thousand to eleven hundred dollars just for the GPU, but that will get you 4K gaming over 60 frames a second. Um, and you can ob- obviously do some mining with that. I don't know how cost effective that no, would be. Not anymore. No, no, those, those days are over. GPU yeah. mining. Yeah. Do you think, uh, between the two of you and all the reviews that you do, where so where's the sweet spot from a GPU perspective? If I was going to be the average guy and I it was getting into this. Is is it closer to the bottom end, or is it? Do you really need to be up towards the the upper? End? Uh, I think from or, go ahead, Ryan. I'm going to say from my perspective because I have a pretty recent build. Uh, right around um, Black Friday is when I purchased parts and built. I went oh, the tw- the RTX 2070 Super route. Um, okay. That video card's more than I wanted to pay. Um, it was five twenty nine. So, I mean, that's when we think about that price 10 years ago or so, you know, like $500 was insane for a video card. And now it's like halfway towards the the top level. So um, I'm a fan mid-range, you know, for that 2070 series. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I always tell people or when people ask me, you know, what should I buy? I say, what display are you using? Because that's the different, yeah. you know, if you if you're have a 1080p display especially like a 1080p 60 hertz display 
the, I don't know why you'd be getting an RTX 2080 Ti. Um, so what's great about both NVIDIA and AMD is they kind of have cards that are just, you know, for that specific, you know, for 1080p, yep. for 1440p, and for 4K, and even on the lower end for more like esports titles that don't use a lot of, um, you know, that don't, that don't need a lot of GPU power. So I, that's the that's kind of my suggestion for people is like, what display are you using? Get a graphics card that's built around that display. Or if you think, you know, maybe in six months, I'm going to upgrade my display, make sure I have mm-hmm. a GPU that will be able to power that display that I'm looking at. Yeah. Or that I would want to upgrade to. Yeah. And that's why I went with the, the 2070 Super. I, w- I knew because my previous monitor was a 1080, 75 hertz, right? So nothing too crazy, but I knew I wanted to go to a 27 inch 1440 screen with 144 Hertz refresh rate. So I knew that I wanted to, I was going to need something higher than a 2060 uh, or, or similar. So that's why I kind of went that route. So based on the display. Those 1070s uh, before the change, you know, Mm -hmm. those were three, 400 bucks. And I think then they tacked on another hundred bucks when they, when they when they did the 2070s and um and it's as as the price dropped at all i mean mining gpu mining is over and so you don't have people going out and buying them in mass has the price come down at all it initially so when the rtx hmm. series launched it was that's when we saw actually the big jump in price mm-hmm. um from the previous generation where the the reason or Nvidia's reason for saying that the price went up so much is because we have this this new technology, this RTX or real time ray tracing, which only when it launched, only there was only one game that supported it, and I think there's you know a handful of games that support it. Um, and then since then, because these cards aren't selling so well, and Nvidia's stock hasn't been great, they dropped the price a little bit when they introduced these new super cards. Um, but I still think that. It's it's decently high, but I think it's more mm-hmm. on the level of what people are kind of expecting to pay for a graphics card. Andrew was talking in the chat room, and he said, "Are there many ITX boards that don't have integrated chips for for use? You know, are you seeing um, where you would have to put a GPU on there? You know, many of us, right, when we were building servers, you wouldn't put a video, you wouldn't put a card in it. You didn't have to, right? Mm-hmm. The, it came with integrated graphics. What are you guys seeing in that in that space?" Is it still? I, I I didn't even think about to look for a, a graphics built-in graphics on that card that we were looking at. Did it have it? It it does not have it. It would it would all be run through Thunderbolt. Okay. Um, but it would use a discrete graphics card, so it wouldn't right. use the actual. There's no on die graphics on Ryzen processors. Um, so you can have most, a Intel thing. Yeah, AMD has them as well, though. Yeah, AMD does have them, but for for what we were looking at as far as Ryzen 3000 series desktop, not any of their APUs, which have it built in. Right. It doesn't have it. I think most of the boards that we look at are gaming focused anyways. Um, so like that, that ASRock board, it's part of their Phantom gaming line where people are going to have a discrete graphics card. Yeah. Um, so you'll see a lot of them. I know uh, Asus has the Republic of Gamers board. That's not going to give you any of those options because they just know people are, Going to put a yeah. discrete graphics card in it. They're going to they're going to put it on there anyway. So, uh, Jay had mentioned last week also about noise on those smaller on those smaller. You know, one two challenges, right? One is cooling. Mm-hmm. Two is noise. Did did you Bob as you were going through that that board and as we kind of just think about you know we've we've removed hard drive noise, but now we have these big ass fans. Yeah, light up your GPUs. Um, yeah. So. 
for GPUs, it all depends on, I would assume, you know, which one you're getting. Um, both NVIDIA and AMD have all of these board partners, which make custom cards with, you know, fans that actually will turn off when the GPU is not in use and, and things like that. Um, so that, I don't think noise is a big issue for the mm-hmm. most part. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, one thing I'll mention with X570, I believe there's only one board that doesn't have a chipset fan. So with X570, we got, you know, years ago, you used to see fans on like uh, those uh, extra chipsets. We came back to that with X570 just because they were running so hot. So while those devices have small fans on them now, uh, I really don't notice one. I've got an X570 board here that has a fan and I don't hear it over any of my systems. So, Uh, but yeah, he's absolutely right. You know, getting all that heat in a compact space and trying to get that heat out of the case is has the potential to create some noise for sure. Yeah. Are, are you guys, when we think about cooling, are you fans of the, the more active cooling when we think about liquid or, you know, whatever we're moving to? I'm assuming that's the, today, that's kind of the best way to get it out or some of the more passive fan-driven cooling. I imagine in a smaller box, that's harder. Yeah, I think, I mean, for this build specifically, I had to use an all-in-one liquid cooling unit. I, I think most people are just for the fact that I don't. I wouldn't say they're easier to install, but it's easier they're than a, they're not as hard with a big heat sink. Mm-hmm. You have to find ways to fit it in there and do all that with it all in one unit. It's just like that pump block that you put on there, and then you just mount the radiator, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry about usually RAM clearances, right? You get a big heat sink, and you have to worry: is this going to hang over my RAM? Is my RAM too tall to fit under this heat sink? What's this fan doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Are we fans of fans? I, well, and I wasn't, you know, in the early days of uh, of more liquid cooling, they were messy. They would break. They oh, yeah, would, yeah. They would get right. And is is have we solved all those problems? You're seeing all the new stuff. Has that gotten yeah. to the point where it's fairly bulletproof? For those all in ones, I would say yeah. so. Right, they're they're sealed units. Some of them do have the option to, you know. Uh, take apart a coupler or a fill port to expand the loop. But for the most part, they're a closed loop system um, and they're going to last you for probably as long as the the system age for the most part. Um, Now you can definitely go to a custom cooling solution with, you know, cutting tubes, whether they're soft or hard to your own, you know, lengths that you need and setting up those water blocks with their fittings. You definitely have potential there for leaks, um, which, so we always recommend, you know, doing leak tests before you actually, supply power to that cpu and the rest of the system so but you wouldn't need to be a gamer a couple andrew and, and joe in chat room are saying eh, i'm not a really gamer i'm more active or I more passive. but if i if i'm putting any load on the system and these all-in-ones sound like a way to go where it's not the complexities yeah. of building the cooling system like you used to have yeah. to do kind of put it on set it and forget it is that yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. what do those run typically if i'm gonna if i was gonna put an all-in-one cooling system in generally from the low end, probably around $80 all the way up to, uh, I mean, I have one sitting right next to me that is two something. What's that? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, why wouldn't I, right? It's, it's, not done. it's a little little more fancy. It's got a screen, like a little uh, LCD screen on the pump block um, and things like that. But I think it's like 200 and some yeah. dollars. So you're right around the... 100 to 150 dollar range for a pretty standard 240 millimeter 280 millimeter all-in-one when when you guys are doing reviews on boards um it's the expectation you'll supply all the other parts and then in this case when you're testing it 
Do you put a cooler on it just to make sure you, you don't burn it up? Or Bob, how do you, as you're approaching a build, you have enough stuff that you can just. Yeah. So typically um, we supply, you know, if I'm reviewing motherboards, I supply everything else. And for the most part, I use the, again, the same hardware on all of the reviews. So everything mm-hmm. is uniform. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the expectation that the motherboard manufacturer has. Okay. That's cool. Yep. We we had talked about uh, RGB cases, and uh, and of course, Bob, you've got a post out there from uh, from early January. I'm assuming is this a is this a um, a CES find, or is this just something that was sent to you? No, so this was this was at CES. This was sort of a prototype of where a company called Corsair, who's huge into RGB uh, products, they uh, they had this prototype that had. RGB lights on both sides, you know, the front panel, which is glass, the side panel, which is glass. Um, and it's their new technology. So they actually have been developing this technology for a couple of years. And the, again, the RGB lighting is built right into the panel, but you can't see any wires, which is the crazy yeah. part. Um, yeah. When and- we walked into their suite, like I looked over to the right side and saw this and like, that's all I could think about the whole time we were at, in their suite. And I mean, they, you know, they have a suite that's just this enormous conference room because they, you know, Corsair has multiple companies now uh, under their umbrella. And like, all I wanted to do was go back and look at this case and just like stare at it. Did, yeah. did Corsair kind of make, cause like, they've been around a while. Like I have, I have old equipment that says Corsair on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, have they, they've been a big ones in pushing this, this RGB space as far as getting it more. Mm-hmm. Are they the kind of the leaders on it? They're, I would say they're one of the yep. leaders. Um, so I think two years ago, they used to have software for their gaming stuff and then software for their lighting stuff. And they unified it all into one piece of software. So the software obviously, obviously is controlling your lights, but you can have, and then the thing about Corsair is, as you said, you've had stuff from them from a while. They used to only make memory. They used to make memory and that was it. Now they make, Pretty much everything that goes in your computer, besides your graphics card and, and uh, motherboards, and graphics card, motherboard, and processor, but everything else, they make cases, they make coolers, they make storage, they make power supplies, peripherals. Yeah, they make headsets, keyboards, mice, cooling. Um, co- yeah, they, <laughs> everything. they make everything. So what they've done is they've unified all their software so if you have a corsair keyboard you can match it with the corsair lights on your case and all that so yeah they've really made an effort to make that whole process for the user because they want you in their ecosystem you know if i buy this corsair case i'm gonna buy a corsair keyboard and mouse so all my all my rgbs match together (laughs) yeah do um uh ryan what's your infatuation with with this like i mean what is it that like i get i am not this is not my favorite when i see Mm-hmm. You know, when I see PC builds that are all lighted sure. up, that's not my thing. But what what draws you to it? So, uh, I mean, with this one in general, I'm already kind of a, I'd say, a, I don't want to call myself a Corsair fanboy, but a Corsair fanboy, right? Yeah. Um, I've just always been a fan of their products before I was reviewing them, uh, you know, and everything. So as far as RGB goes, like the customization, um, each one of those on that case image there, each one of those lights each one of those LEDs is fully controllable. So I can set each one to whatever color on or off, whatever I want. So I've got, it just gives you so much potential to whatever the mood is, right? If it's Christmas time, it's Halloween. I can put an animated 
animation across those lights, they had this nice like gold twinkling look to it for a while. And so it's not, I'm not a big fan of the rainbow puke that's showing there right now. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it yeah, looks yeah. cool sometimes. And people are like, what in the world is like your computer doing? But sometimes you're like, all right, I want everything to be black, but then every now and then I want them to twinkle gold or white and just like the customability and the fact that they can put that many LEDs on those glass panels with almost invisible leads between them um, and have it look as good as they do is just a a pretty cool uh, engineering uh, feat, I think. Well, and I've noticed the fans have gotten out of control. That's yep. really right. This is really where this kind of lives is in the fan space. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. You used to be like, okay, I'm going to put white LED fans in, or they're going to be red, or they're going to be blue or green, or maybe I get some that have a button and I can cycle through three colors. And now it's like, I've got 20 LEDs on my fans. I can change the color of each one of them individually and you know, run that pattern, like Bob said, have everything integrated. So like my Corsair headset I have on can cycle through the same colors as my keyboard and mouse, my but internal coolers. There to see it. Like it's just that's you. Right. That's, that's okay. Just, that's, <laughs> the way, that's the way it is. But um, I just reviewed Corsair's new yeah. fans that have 36 RGB LEDs in the fan. And yeah, you can control each LED individually through software, which I think is pretty awesome. So yeah, I mean, it's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, people like oh, it's it. Insane. Yeah. It's insane. Well, it, it must be popular, right? They wouldn't continue to make. Yeah. I think, they, Jim, if you had a, you know, in your background on your video there, you just had a computer with those fans going, I think you get more no, views that way. I know. Well, <laughs> it's crazy. So this backdrop here, um, you know, it's been, I move it around and move some stuff, but it's very, it's pretty busy. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with it. I don't. I don't mind. In fact, I kind of like it that way. Some boxes and some stuff. But at work, they hate it. Like every time I do <laughs> anything from home, they're like, "Oh, could you put a curtain over that or something?" Like they yeah. just don't want to see it. Well, starting Monday, I'm working from home, and I have to do. And so, you know, I've been thinking about: Do I cover this up? If I put, if I put a lighted, say, I just went in there and put a bunch of RGB lights that are blinking, they would there lose their mind. They would lose their. That's what mind. all the streamers are doing. Yep. <laughs> I'm streaming in the dark and get the glow going around me. So, old streamer though. So, you know, somehow we just keep doing it. No, I know it's. I know it's super popular right now. It just has never been like Ryan, like you said a minute ago. I've got one on this box. I bought some. Uh, I bought some fans and it had some lights and I kind of turned it on and it, it's white and I thought it was cool. And I was like, good enough, right? Good enough for me. Um, it it does make a nice night light down here. When I shut off all the lights in the basement, it kind of sh- lights it up just enough yeah. so that I can see what's going on down here. So good enough for uh, good enough for me for a night light. Bob, you had mentioned that you know, cor- like companies like Corsair, and I think you know who's doing it wrong is Logitech. Like they can't seem to get, in my opinion, Logitech can't seem to get any of their software together working. Their camera software is different now. I, I, I have noticed they they have a new gaming, some new gaming software that they're using. Where I think they're trying to. Am I wrong? I mean, is Logitech? I think so. The thing with Logitech is they have two distinct, I would say, companies within Logitech. There's the consumer, which would be like the webcams and, and things like that, and then they have Logitech G which is their gaming and everything. I assume from at least my communication with them, they're two completely separate companies within Logitech. And the even the PR companies are different for each group. So that's where you have that disconnect where like 
you know, they might have good gaming software for their keyboards and mice, but then you go to their webcam software and it's just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's well. I was just trying to help a guy today who has a C920, and I was like, "Oh no no no, we need to get the software on there so you can control the lighting and the you know the white balance." Yeah. And oh my god, going on their site and just trying to find the piece of software. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. They don't even list the C920 anymore. They have a C920s. I found. Yeah, today. Have a 922, 922.930e. They have a separate controller piece of software just for the camera. And then they have, like you said, they have the gaming, the G mm-hmm. software that does that. And then they have another, like a camera. It's almost like a video capture piece of software, but it's not very good. And yeah. you're like, what are you guys doing over here? That's so, why I think like so many of these companies just need one piece of software. Yeah. Just like I have yeah. a capture card where I do my BIOS overview videos and it's from Elgato and they make Elgato capture for PC and Elgato capture for Mac. And that's the way it's been for at least the past five years. That's what they make. So, you know, just like with Corsair, they went through one piece of software. It's called IQ. That's all, all of their products are encompassed in one piece of software, which makes it great because I think too, if people complain about one piece of software, then, you know, Logitech's working on that. And then they're not working on the control software. They're not, you know, just one piece of software just makes things yeah. so yeah, much I lo- easier. I love IQ because, like, you know, I plug in a new Corsair device and it shows up in the list of devices up top. And so I can just click on it and go right to its settings. They update that application to uh, be ready for any new products that they are going to release. So as soon as, you know, there's an update and a new product that comes out, you plug it in and it's going to be available right there in IQ for you in one, one panel. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, Logitech is for us, at least in our community, has been a longstanding kind of go-to, especially mm-hmm. on the video camera side. But, man, their software infrastructure is a mess right now. Yep. And the websites are just, they're they are all over the place. You just kind of, you don't know. So, Bob, you saying there's like two different companies kind of working this. Now that kind of makes sense. You're yeah. like, oh, I thought it was all one company. So, yeah. okay, I'll have, to, I'll have to figure that out. I, I work with enough podcasters who are using C920s. Everybody bought them and, and has been using them. And that camera control software is really, really good. It's what I use here. But now I can't find it anywhere anymore. I don't and even so, think I have it installed. I think I just have the driver installed. I don't think I even use the software. I get yeah. it if you need it. And if you, <laughs> well, in, in a lot of cases, if you like down here, I have good enough lighting. I don't really need it that much. Change, being able to change the white balance is kind of nice, right? Yeah. That's, it's one yeah. of those kinds of things where the the auto stuff or the auto focus, if you move around a lot like I do, you know, I'm constantly doing <laughs> it. It's trying to refocus all the time. Well, you don't want that necessarily either. Yeah. So having that control um, is kind of a lot easier. Bob, last review, uh, and this is maybe this is unfair. I had three Bob reviews and only one Ryan review. Bob, are you doing all the reviewing? Is that what's going? Ninety nine percent of it. I, I do most of it. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan does a lot of the uh, the water cooling uh, stuff and a you know some of that stuff. And that's yeah. we don't feel it. I mean, that stuff's exciting, but it's I don't think it's exciting as motherboards and oh, come on, gaming man. gaming products. Hey. Ryan, you just got thrown under the bus. That's all right. I'm used to it. <laughs> we, I throw weaker under the bus all the time. Um, so the the a gaming mouse, like again, this is a space I haven't paid attention to. You know, I, I'm thinking if I paid seven dollars for a mouse, I paid two, you know, oh. six dollars. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. These gaming mice. This is a Cooler Master MM seven seven eleven gaming mouse. Is it worth, I'm assuming these things aren't cheap, but is it worth it? The thing that, I, the reason why I put this in there is because there's, 
been a big change. So I have the mouse. I'm still using it. Actually, it's right here. Um, there's been a big change in gaming mice. Um, one, you used to, you know, gaming mice used to be really heavy and you would put weights in them and change the weight around and things like that. And we, I think last year is when we first started seeing these super lightweight gaming mice. And I thought they were stupid. I mean, being a traditional gamer, I like my big heavy mouse. And I saw these mice and I'm like, this is dumb. This is just like a gimmick. Like, you know how everything is just gimmicky. Uh, a lot of times, you know, everybody's making the same product. So it's kind of like gimmick. And then I got one into review and I was actually surprised at how much I like the lighter weight gaming mouse. So I think this one, I'm not sure. It, it's definitely in the review. I think it's like 50. That one, the 710 will weigh 53 grams. Yeah, this one, this I think is, yeah, I think this one's just over 60 grams, which is very, very light. And if you actually do play a lot of games, it does make a difference because if you think about it, you're moving your arm around, you're moving the mouse back and forth. And if you have a heavier device, you're eventually going to have more strain on your on yeah. your uh, no, on your sense. wrist and, and everything like that. And I feel that it the movement is actually better. It's like I play a lot of first person shooters, so I don't need a ton of buttons on my mouse or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I just really like the lightweight gaming mouse. And I have two other ones here that one that I reviewed, and then I have this other one here. Um, and you can see they the the, the way they do it is just kind of like a like a you know race car. They cut out pieces of the actual mouse to um to make it even lighter and it's it's like i said it's for me they they work so much better um and then the actual the, the other big change is on the actual cabling so this is some crazy they call it ultra weave it's super lightweight material i've never seen it on a mouse before um and it works it just, it, you don't feel any drag. And I think, again, these were initially marketed towards um, esports players, people playing professionally. Yeah. And the biggest problem with a wired gaming mouse is that you have that little bit of drag from the USB cable. And with this, I don't feel it at all. Um, who, who would ever think that we're talking about drag on a mouse cable, right? <laughs> like Jim's over there going, what in the world are you guys no, talking about? No, I get it. E-gaming's a big deal, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean when yeah. you... And the thing is, is like Ryan and I have been playing a game called Apex Legends a lot. And I don't know, I, I, I feel like I've gotten better at gaming because of the fact that like this mouse has helped me become at least a semi-decent gamer because I can move better. My arm's not tired. I, again, I don't have that drag, which I've had times where like I've had that drag and I like wanted to throw a mouse across the room, <laughs> um, you know, because I'm missing shots and, and, and things like that. So I think for anybody who is a semi-serious gamer or just wants to, you know, not experience those problems, I don't know what I can equate it to in the, maybe in like in the storage world, you know, if you're just the wait time you would have for like a traditional hard drive over an SSD, yep. this is like that drag on your mouse is kind of like the same thing. You're like, you yep. know. Um, Cash or transfer speeds, right? Yeah. I mean, network transfer speeds. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and I, these these mice aren't that expensive because there's not a whole lot to them. You don't have a whole lot of buttons. There's two main buttons and then two on the side, and that's it. Um, so I think this is like fifty or sixty bucks, which in the gaming mouse world isn't super expensive. I think a lot of gaming mice can get up to a hundred dollars. Um, so yeah, so like if anybody, yeah. it, you know, is it, you know in your audience who wants to, I, I would say get better at gaming you could try one of these out um 
you know, and they come with like these special mouse feet that, so a lot of professional gamers ended up buying these mouse feet to put on their own my, own mice, but this mouse comes with it pre, you know, you would have to buy these like aftermarket. It's like putting a spoiler on a car yeah, per se. It's a slider, it, right? It's a yeah. slider. It just makes it slide a little bit easier. Right? Yeah. Those yeah. are PTFE, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little, little less resistance. I thought when I saw the holes, I actually thought that was for kind of like cooling. So, you know, if your hand is going to be on well, that, that thing, it does do that as well. Yeah. So you do, you know, your hand, you're not one, you're not going to get the hand sweat on the mouse as much. And what's also cool is like the companies thought about it. Like the components inside have a waterproof coating on them as well. So, you know, either you're sweating or you accidentally drop your beer in your mouth, <laughs> you, you know, you're not going to ruin it. So, Jim, you mentioned cooling on a mouse. I actually did like the first article that I ever had published back in, let's see if it has a date. Oh, whenever it was, I, in 2003, I modified a little Logitech mouse, cut a hole in it, put a grill in it and have a little fan that I took out of a laptop <laughs> that actually blows on the palm of your hand. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, you're getting into it and you're, you know, and, and sometimes it's nice, you know, these, yeah. In some of these old mice, you know, I have an old wireless mice here. The 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 rubber stuff gets a little gummy after a while, and you know, it's just it's uh, if you're gonna be gripping this thing the whole time, it kind of makes sense. That's yeah, another big. Go ahead, Ryan. I was gonna say the plastics that a lot of these gaming mice are made out of are PBT, so it's a lot more resistant to wear than some of the other typical ABS or nylon plastics that you'll get. Um, so they have a lot better wear. I know my mouse at work that I use is just like a standard, you know, Dell mouse. And I already have wear points from my pointer index fingers. And I've been using the mouse for less than two years. I've been using this Corsair harpoon for three to four years. And like the plastic on it doesn't look used hardly at all. And the rubber grip has worn like on my thumb and pinky on the side. But the materials that they use, like I, I have some cheaper mice that I've reviewed and looked at and the rubber on the sides of them, you go to like use it and pick it up and it's oily and just is, you can tell it's not that good of a plastic or a rubber and it's just breaking down. This is my daily driver mouse here at my desk that I use. And it's, I'm so happy with like the, just the longevity of it. I don't think Jim ever thought that there's so much detail went into mice. I know. <laughs> no, I like it. You got me thinking, well, it's just, I mean, again, I, we, we oftentimes kind of approached it from a more utilitarian, like, what do you, you know, uh, we weren't a gaming site. We still aren't in a lot of ways. And so, you know, you end up, I think this is a Logitech 510, which has been a, just a workhorse. I have absolutely worn off all the paint right, <laughs> yeah. from this thing. Yeah. It's been, I've had it for, I don't know, four or five years. It continues just to be a workhorse. No, it's interesting to see, um, Bob, also in that, that the, the, the lights, the RGB lights on it, RGB, right? Yeah. yeah. I always have to, is it RGB or RBG? I, I, you know, I got the BGs on my brain. Red, 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 green, red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, I always think of KGB. That's yeah. that's kind of <laughs> make sure I get it right. Um, but the, the mouse also, and I showed it on the screen here, the mouse also has complete control, right? So you can control all the lighting on the mouse mm -hmm. as well. The, the mouse you were looking at, how many different lights are in that thing? Do you know? Um, there's, so I'll bring it up here again. Um, I'll do it this way so you guys can see it, but there's just a lighting section here and a lighting section on the, uh, the scroll wheel. Yeah. So, so this, can, this uh, gives you the controls, right? Yeah. And what's the... cool about the software too, is you can actually finely tune the, the sensor as well. So this uses an optical sensor in the bottom here. 
And in the software, you can, you know, select your own DPI. I believe it's up to 16,000 DPI on the mouse. Um, and you can fine tune that as well. Um, you can fine tune your liftoff speed. You can fine tune a lot of stuff in these, which is like, again, if this is like something you want to do professionally or you want to just be better, it's good to be able to not just plug the mouse in, but, you know, fine tune it to where it feels good. And, the you know, what you're seeing on the screen is kind of what you want as far as, you know, I'm moving this far and the mouse is moving this far and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it, I think if you love lights, if you like that kind of, I mean, <laughs> if you like that kind of look, yeah. um, you know, there are folks and maybe I, I fit in this role, although I'm different. I'm a monitor guy. Like I, I want to, there's four, RGB five, lights seven. on the monitor that's in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> and they're on the front they're actually i'm reviewing one right now where there's a a bar along the bottom that it, it hooks up the software and it connects with your game so if you're getting shot the rgbs will be red and it will they'll interact with your game <laughs> so, that well, works like yeah. you, you like it right it's for I, you, you I like just, it I, I just hooked this monitor up to review, so I haven't really played with that all that much, but um, my speakers are Razer speakers and they do the same thing. They connect with whatever game you're playing and depending on what you're doing, the RGBs will be different colors. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I don't see it being that useful because I'm not looking down at this bar per <laughs> se in my game. So I think it's just kind of like, again, it's kind of gimmicky in that sense. That's kind of fun. Like yeah. we, we find storage that way. Like I have 90 terabytes of storage here and that's, we, you know, people like, yeah, what do you need 90 terabytes for? You always like, need more Cause, storage. Cause I want it. Like, yeah, that's, that's my thing. That's what I like doing. Yeah. You guys um, also, we didn't spend a lot of time at the beginning of the show talking about this, but, but you guys also have a weekly podcast that you're doing. Mm -hmm. If folks, and you, you do it live. Your, your Wednesday nights, so we're Thursday. So if you're looking for something, you're listening to this show, and you're like, man, I'm dying for something to do on Wednesday nights. How do folks find it? Uh, what do you guys talk about? How does it usually go? Um, so on the website, it's just thinkcomputers.org. And then you can see on the screen there, it just says podcast. at the, On the top menu, you can just go there. Um, on all of your just podcasting apps or websites, it's just thinkcomputers, all one word. And you should find us on, you know, we're on you know, iTunes and Google podcasts and everything like that. Um, yeah. What about the live? What about live show? How, what's the easiest way to get you guys live? Um, just on the, the our YouTube page. Yeah. yeah. Our YouTube page. Uh, if you subscribe to our YouTube, we go live every uh, Wednesday night, as you said. So do you have, do you have youtube.com? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's cause I couldn't get think computers. I think it's think computers one. <laughs> like the number one. I'm really? Pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I hope this doesn't go to a bad site. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure the live. it's the... Yeah, there, yeah, there it is. Nice yeah. job. Yeah. Nice job. And you'd want to subscribe over there uh, when you go over there and get that done. Uh, apparently, I hadn't subscribed, so we'll get that done. And uh, you want to subscribe over there. I thought I'd been getting notifications from you guys when you I think by. you subscribed to my personal YouTube. That, that's Okay. Okay. Yeah. And okay. And does it go, does it, do I get the notifications there too? Or maybe when you're no, uploading that, something. That's just, so you just, like, I have my own YouTube where I yep. like just talk about traveling and, and, stuff, okay. and stuff like that. All right. All right. You know, I don't know if you want to subscribe to that one, but, um, but yeah, so our, our podcast is obviously very enthusiast and gaming focused. We usually do on the website, we usually do two to three reviews a week. So we talk about those reviews and then our website also covers news. So any of the, you know, tech news that's going on that week, we'll talk about as well. 
Yeah. I, uh, I see. I had subscribed down here and yeah, it's really, yeah, yeah. that one up there. Okay. So yeah. So yeah, you guys, um, so think about what we do here on home gadget geeks, except it's really kind of gaming, gaming rig, high end focus. Yeah. Right? We, you know, we start the review off, we go over our, that week's reviews, right. We kind of give a recap of what we've looked at and then kind of the news stories of the week, you know, what's coming up, what are the new rumors? Hey, so-and-so found a leak on the CPU or here's, you know, the latest uh, financial call from who was it yeah, that we, uh, AMD. AMD's financial calls, right. We'll talk about that kind of stuff. Talk about what we've got coming up in the next week, reviews to look forward to, and then kind of like a review of, Hey, do anything tech related over the week? You know? Yeah. I put in this cooler or I played this new game, just kind of casual there. So. Um, okay. Quick lightning round as we kind of wrap this up, Ryan, I'll start with you. One thing that you're looking out into the future, maybe it's coming up on a review or maybe not that you're super excited about. Uh, I'm excited to put this cooler into uh, my test rig. I've got that NZXT Kraken Z73 here. I kind of mentioned it earlier. have the uh, screen on the pump housing so I can customize that. So I'm really kind of looking forward to putting that together. Also, I'm kind of planning to do a full custom hard tubing water cooling build in my main rig, not in my um, my testing system, but in my main rig, right? I have a really nice case that I like. I just want to kind of showcase all of that. So cool. I, I'd say those are the things I'm looking forward to. All right, Bob, what about you? Um, as far as reviews, I got a, I have a new case that came in that we saw at CES. It is this, I mean, it looks, it's like this crazy, it looks like a transformer. Um, and it's a very high end case. I think the case itself is $500. <laughs> um, and I was actually surprised the company was going to send it because some of that stuff usually only goes out to a few people, but we were lucky enough to get it in. So I'm really excited for that. It's called the T wings. And it's from a company called FX, FSP. Um, so I'm really excited for that. And then future stuff, I will be... So just like how you said you were thinking about doing, um, you know, redoing your podcasting rig. Yeah. My yeah. main gaming and video editing and podcasting rig is just like the sides open right now. And hmm. one of the fans doesn't work. And I'm going to be upgrading that. I already have a case and I have all these parts ready to go into it. Um it's a high-end desktop build. It's gonna. I'm upgrading from um, 16 gigabytes of RAM to 64. Like, a, it's gonna be. It's gonna have a ton of RGB lights in there. <laughs> uh, I'm putting seven of those fans that have 36 RGB lights each in uh, in in there, and I'm hooking it all up, and it'll be all be able to control via software. So I'm really excited to do that. I just haven't had time to rip this all apart and do that, but yeah. I'll be doing that soon. So maybe just put a, put up cam, a webcam on the, <laughs> on the build and just yeah, yeah. stream that on Twitch. Right. Yeah. We will be doing a video. Like I, so once a week I try to make a actual video for YouTube. Um, so we'll definitely be doing a video on that. So I'm pretty yeah. excited for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, same it's thing sick. on this build. So it's sick when you start thinking about like, what can I stream on Twitch? Yeah, You know, what's going to be, what's that thing? And it's, you know, Twitch has gotten kind of weird in some ways. I mean, there's still a lot of gaming that goes on out there. Yeah. But there's a lot of strange, <laughs> there's a lot of strange streaming that's going yeah. on out there uh, uh, as well. So if you haven't, again, thinkcomputers.org, just remember that, head out there and uh, get subscribed, watch them on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast. Um, get caught up on Wednesday nights. It's a great time. You guys are are, are slowly becoming my Wednesday night 
kind of sit right. in the background and we're gonna takes, we're gonna convert you to a gamer it, that's right. uh well okay <laughs> usually i'm like yeah okay but this time i you know it's funny i gamed with my kids when this would have been early geez um to 97 98 we played a lot of command and conquer and i put in mm -hmm. a networked uh i had three pcs at the time i was dirt poor but somehow i had three pcs <laughs> And um, we networked them, and then we had played the network version of Command Conquer. And I, we played a lot of games, and the kids started playing more and more. I just played less and less. And I just, I, I think after a while, you drop out a little bit, and then you're like, it's so hard to get back into today's games. Like, yeah. if you haven't been gaming, and you just start, and you start playing the, the, the real games, right? Fortnite and, and you know, that group, um, it's hard. Like, I'm not yeah. that good at it. And I, uh, and I had the same thing. So, I mean, I, I run think computers as a full-time business. So finding the time to game instead of working on my business, Yeah, you know, but, and the thing is I hadn't played games, you know, I play a game every once in a while, but not really, but I've gotten back in this past year, I think probably because of apex. Um, yeah, and so. you know, we put it kind of as work since we're going to stream it now, it kind of allows me to game more, but it, it does take a while to get back in. I think, I think you just need a, a lot of time to really devote to playing these games, which, yeah. you know, it's hard for a lot and they're of people. So, they're so complex too, right? So many things that like you go from Mario and the NES of having two buttons and the, the D pad, and then, you know, you got your SNES and we've added more game buttons. And now like yeah. Fortnite's not just a first person or a third person shooter. It's like, Oh, I got to build now and I got to yeah. be able to build better than the other guy. And so, yeah, I can definitely see that learning curve. Well, I had five kids and maybe life was just complicated enough <laughs> <laughs> for me. You know, I just never got into it. Um, I even bought an Xbox, you know, um, you did. Yeah. I did. And I did Forza for a while, right? It, I did. I did play some Forza for a while. And then I just was like, eh. <laughs> you know, it was just, I don't know. I, I found myself watching YouTube and taking a nap as opposed to <laughs> gaming. And it, maybe it's just, maybe it's my age and whatever, but, but um, uh, good, good for you guys for really being in this space. It is one. Um, it's a, it's just like, like what we do on the server and the storage side. It's a pretty tight niche right now, right? I mean, I think you got some, you, there's a lot of gamers, but a lot of gamers who are doing their own builds like this has got to be a pretty night, a pretty tight niche, which I think makes you guys very valuable to the companies that are selling these things, right? Mm -hmm. Because they've got to get the right people to be able to have the right influence, to be able to do the reviews, to be able to understand it. And that's just not everybody. And you guys seem like you've got that nailed down really well. So good job. Awesome. Thank you. Good job on that as well. You guys hang tight for just one second. Let me sure. let me close things. We'll do a little bit of post-show if anybody's got any additional questions. I will remind everybody and say thanks to our Patreon subscribers. Are you guys are you guys do you, do you guys do Patreon? Do you have we a Patreon? Never, no, no. We never got into the Patreon. Never got into that into that space. So it's all it's all funded, uh like commercial funded, uh to Bob to put it together. Mm -hmm. folks paying you for sponsorship type stuff. Gotcha, right? Yeah. This is how you do it. So, well, we thank our Patreon subscribers. They help kind of pay the bills when it comes down to uh, the things like our mobile app. And so that's not uh, free every year. And so we appreciate that. If you want to support the show in, in what we do here, head out to the average guy TV slash Patreon. If you want to join us in discord, the average guy TV slash discord. If you want to join us in Facebook, the average guy TV slash Facebook. You see the pattern there? It's uh, It makes sense. You should be able to get us over there. If you want to see me, send me an email. And many of you do, and I appreciate those emails. 
just if you want to shoot the, you know, shoot the stuff, you can send me an email, Jim at the average Track me down on Twitter at Jay Collison. Uh, some of you, and actually Twitter's picked up. Do you guys do much on Twitter? Do you find that to be a pretty good? I think there's a, there's great I mean, conversations on Twitter. I, I just have, I, I don't get enough time or have the ability to really take a look at it during the day at work. So I'm, I'm not on there as much as I wish I could be. And then at, at nighttime, it slows down. And the, the folks that are having the conversations during the day that I do want to participate in, I just stay out of them yeah. because yeah, it's yeah. old news, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm finding it's picking back up again. Bob, you're Bob TV. That's pretty easy to remember yeah. over there. Ryan, you're just Ryan Kirshner. So that's pretty yep. easy for the, for the two of you. If you want to follow those guys over there, I'm actually finding Twitter to be a much more friendly place than it's ever been. And, I would agree. I think it's gone through yeah. like a transformation because that's where everybody was when Twitter first started. And then it kind of just like with Facebook getting more popular, everybody's going mm-hmm. to Facebook. But I think a lot more people are going back on Twitter. Yeah. Um, because I think that's where like you kind of make the separation because everybody has Facebook now, but not everybody has Twitter. So you get kind of like, especially like in our, you know, computer enthusiast world, you get like yeah. the smart people on there and the people that, what I actually want to help. I see so many people on Twitter actually helping each other, which is yeah. really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's kind of reinvented itself in a lot of ways. I, yeah. I'm enjoying my time on Twitter. Many of you guys listening right now, and I think of Tony and, and others, Joe, who are tw- doing some live tweeting during the show and such. I always appreciate that. So if you haven't joined us on Twitter at Jake Collison, you can do that as well. And, um, and I don't, well, I tweet the show as we post it out, but uh, would love to talk to you out there as well. Don't forget the Average Guy TV platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. And, of course, that's Christian. Plans start as little as $10 a month for pretty great hosting, both web and media, if you want to do it that way. MapleGrovePartners.com. Thanks to Christian. And congratulations on Christian's getting married this summer. And so we'll be heading out uh, that way to get that done as well. You can also, uh, don't forget, listen to us on the mobile app. It's the best way to listen on the road and uh, a great way to get it done. And uh, we appreciate you doing that as well. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. Big thanks to Icy Doc. And uh, they're kind of the focus on Icy Doc for the month of March. We'll be back next Thursday. Mike is back, and we're going to spend some time talking about gear uh, again. And uh, we'd like to have you join us 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at the average guy.tv slash live. Stay around if you're listening live for a little bit of post show. With that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.